How's it going, everyone? And yes, the title says it all. I'm going to be talking about bosses from the Kingdom Hearts games, which is something I briefly mentioned during my last Kingdom Hearts episode. And go figure, it's now reality. <laughs> anyway, I mentioned boss fights here and there when I ranked the Kingdom Hearts worlds, but now it's time to give them the full attention they deserve. For this mini-series, I'm going to be listing my favorite slash least favorite bosses from the Kingdom Hearts series, starting with the first game. To be honest, this was the toughest list for me to compile so far, because the boss fights from KH1 weren't exactly... good. In fact, most of them sucked. But I won't let that affect my ranking too much because this was the first game in the series, so they obviously need to start somewhere. These bosses will be judged based on their gimmicks, difficulty, and how they affect the game as a whole. Remember, this is all based off my opinion, so if you disagree on some parts, that's fine. I'm Eric from Geeks Crossing, and these are my favorite and least favorite bosses from Kingdom Hearts. Starting with my least favorite list. At number 5, we have the Phantom. Yeah, I probably should have mentioned this before, but I'm also including secret bosses because I feel like they deserve some love too. Unfortunately, the Phantom you fight in Neverland isn't getting any love from me. The whole gimmick of this fight is you have to cast the right magic spell to inflict any damage, all depending on what color the Phantom's core becomes. For example, if it's red, you have to cast Fire. For blue, you need to use Blizzard. For yellow, Thunder obviously. But if it's white, you can only use basic attacks. On paper, it doesn't sound so bad, but it felt very inconsistent all the time. You soon realize that attacking the core is the least of your concerns, because as soon as the fight starts, the Phantom will cast a time limit spell on you and your party members, and if that timer reaches zero, they die and stay dead for the rest of the fight. The only way you can slow down time is by casting spell on the clock tower. As a kid, I had no fucking idea you were supposed to do that, which explains why I kept dying within the first two minutes of the fight. But once I figured out what I had to do, it was just a matter of spamming my ethers, elixirs, and spamming magic left and right until it got defeated. Because they purposely made this boss to be a troll, it easily became one of my least favorite fights. Next up at number 4, we have the Tiger Head. Even before I wrote the script to this episode, I knew I was going to include at least one boss fight from Agrabah. To be honest, they all deserve a spot on this list. The Pot Centipede was annoying, but still easy if you have Sonic Blade equipped. Jafar is nothing but a troll, both in his base and genie form, and Kurt Ziza would have been decent if not for that goddamn spin attack. But why did I pick the Tiger Head? First off, you hardly have any room to dodge his attacks, it constantly spits out Heartless for you to waste time fighting, and simply climbing on top of that thing felt like a fucking chore. Even if you do manage to reach the eyes, which are the only parts that are vulnerable, your attacks will sometimes clip through the eyes WITHOUT DAMAGING THEM! I lost count of how many times that happened to me, and honestly, this thing shouldn't be a boss to begin with, and when you do beat him, nothing happens. Literally, nothing happens after you beat this boss. Not even a cutscene, which makes this boss even more fucking pointless. Agrabah may have some pretty bad bosses, but the Tiger Head takes that shit too far. At number 3, we have the Trickmaster. You guys know I'm not a big fan of Wonderland, and it's all thanks to the Trickmaster. In my opinion, this is when you start to realize how unfair most of these boss fights can be. It's bad enough that all of his attacks have an absurdly long reach, but when it knocks you off the table, you have to waste time climbing it again. Friendly reminder that Kingdom Hearts 1 is horrible when it comes to platforming, and that's not even the worst part. No, the worst is when the table gets smashed and you're forced to run away as it shoots a barrage of fireballs. Even if you do avoid every attack, without the table, you can't pull off any proper combos. Instead, you have to jump and land one upper slash until it's left feeling staggered. Yeah, 
that shit made this fight even more unbearable. Overall, the Trickmaster is not a fun boss, and its long, lanky-looking ass can go back to hell where it belongs. The runner-up spot on my list goes to the Parasite Cage. It's bad enough I don't like Monstro as a world, but the boss fights against the Parasite Cage only solidify my hatred. Doesn't matter which version I'm referring to, because they both suck. The first fight has you constantly avoid getting bitch-slapped by its tentacles. Riku, who's supposed to be an ally during this fight, barely does anything and he'll only attack when he feels like it. Assuming he went to Monstro before completing Hollow Bastion, which is what majority of the fanbase does. And you have to constantly hear Pinocchio scream, GET ME out of HERE! The second fight pretty much has the same problems, except it doesn't feature Riku or Pinocchio screaming, but you know what it has instead? The Parasite Cage will absorb and spray you with Monstro's stomach acids, which will leave you poisoned and your health gradually getting lowered for a certain amount of time. The reason I died multiple times that boss was because that fucking feature, and I couldn't figure out a way to avoid it. I tried jumping, blocking, dodge rolling, or even waiting on top of one of the platforms behind it, but nothing worked! Even though I don't have that much trouble fighting it nowadays, the damage is already done. The Parasite Cage may be a horrible boss, but it's nothing compared to the number one spot. And taking that set spot, we of course have Ursula. Atlantica was and continues to be my least favorite world within the entire series. Not just because of its terrible swimming feature, but the two boss fights against Ursula. In Phase 1, she'll throw potions in her cauldron, which will trigger a certain spell to attack you, and the only way to avoid that is by casting your own magic spell until the cauldron explodes, which will leave her and her lackeys feeling staggered. As a kid, I had no idea you were supposed to do that, which is why I kept doing pitiful damage to Ursula, and constantly died to either her magic spells, her spin attack, or by Flotsam and Jetsam. God, that was fucking annoying. But once I figured out what I need to do and wasted all my ethers, I managed to escape the horrors this boss fight provides. Or so I thought. Because afterwards, you have to fight Giant Ursula, and she's easily one of the worst boss fights from the entire series. First off, she'll constantly cast thunder spells every 5 seconds, attempts to bite your ass by inhaling water, and she'll either unleash a discount version of Bubble Beam or Hyper Beam. But the worst is when she does her final attack, in which she'll summon multiple thunderbolts around the area, leaving almost no room to dodge. The only way you can safely land any attacks is by striking the back of her head, but that won't save you from getting hit by thunder spells. Even if you try to avoid her attacks, 9 out of 10 times you can't because the underwater controls are SHIT! Overall, Giant Ursula was a fucking nightmare, and it's the one boss I look forward to the least when I replay Kingdom Hearts 1, which is why she easily earns the number one spot. Alright, now that we're done with my least favorite list, we can move on to something relatively more positive. However, this list wasn't easy because like I said before, every boss in this game has problems, yet I think I made a solid list overall. Without further ado, here it is. My top 10 favorite boss fights from Kingdom Hearts 1. At number 10, we have the Dark Side. This was the first ever boss fight, not just for this game, but the series in general. Seriously, it does not get more nostalgic than seeing that spaghetti-headed monstrosity. <laughs> anyway, Dark Side is one of the few bosses in this game you fight multiple times. The first time, of course, is near the end of the Diamonds of the Heart tutorial. The second time is during the Heartless Invasion at Destiny Islands. And the third time is at the end of the world, where it's randomly placed in between the final fights against Ansem. Despite that, it's also one of the most consistent bosses you ever face. No matter which version you're fighting, the Dark Side will always use the same attacks, whether it's shooting dark homing missiles from its chest, punching the ground and summoning a pool of shadows, or scoop up an orb of darkness and make it rain dark particles everywhere. The Dark Side is easily one of the most predictable boss fights, once you know each attack and how to avoid them. Plus, you can always get more tech points by climbing its arm and attacking its face. Yeah, it's pretty obvious I include this boss in the top 10 because of nostalgia. Still, without it, we wouldn't have a starting foundation for giant heartless boss fights. 
for better or worse. Next up at number 9, we have the Stealth Sneak and Clayton. Oh, sorry, not Clayton. What makes this boss stand out compared to other boss fights is the fact that this is the first time players get to fight both the Giant Heartless and a Disney villain at the same time. And I gotta say, the build-up was great. It starts off with you briefly fighting not Clayton, then suddenly the cavern behind him gets destroyed, and he's riding something gigantic but also invisible. Yeah, not Clayton is not alone for this fight. <sighs> because you're fighting two entirely different characters, their attacks couldn't be more different, as the Cell Sick will either charge at you with his sharp-ass horn, harness light energy around his arms and legs to form a key blast, <sighs> or shoot lasers from his eyes that will chase you down. Meanwhile, not Clayton will just fire from his shotgun and occasionally use a potion. Although, if you do enough damage, Not Claim will eventually get knocked off and the Cell Snake will become visible. But what makes this boss stand out even more is the fact that you're not required to beat both of them. In this case, you could ignore the Cell Snake as much as possible and focus your attacks on Not Claim because he has less HP. But I still prefer being Stealth Snake before fighting Not Claim, just so I could gain more experience points. Overall, Deep Jungle may get a lot of hate, but fighting the Stealth Snake and Not Claim was still a lot of fun, which is why it's in the top 10. Taking the number 8 spot, we have Captain Hook. Even though some Disney bosses leave much to be desired, Captain Hook was definitely one of the most tolerable ones, believe it or not. Actually, that's bullshit, because there's at least one flaw with this boss. Like some of the other villains, he'll constantly summon Heartless for you to waste time fighting. In this case, the Battleship Heartless, where their missiles can actually replenish his health. Yeah, that shit was annoying. I guess him going in Berserk mode can be annoying too, but it does give this boss a good sense of challenge. Especially when you realize you're fighting Captain Hook of all villains. I also love how he can trick Hook into jumping out of his own ship, so he can lower his guard and attack him while in midair. Again, it's an efficient way to break him out of combos. Not only that, Captain Hook is also one of the few bosses you can leave and come back to later. Even after all these years, that still makes me laugh my ass off. Regardless of what you think of Neverland from KH1, or the Captain Hook fight in general, it's still a fun boss with a good sense of challenge. Next up at number 7, we have Cerberus. It's funny, I used to hate this boss when I was a kid, but now I appreciate it enough to put it in my top 10 list. After Cloud gets crushed by Cerberus, courtesy of Hades, it's time for Sora to prove to Phil, Hercules, and more importantly himself, that he and his friends have the potential to be true heroes. Though I don't blame anyone who still finds this boss to be a pain in the ass, especially with the many attacks Cerberus can dish out, such as shooting fireballs, using all three of its heads to bite your ass, or vomiting a stream of darkness which would cause purple flames to erupt from the ground. Yeah, that shit killed me a lot when I was a kid. Luckily, you can easily avoid it by riding on top of his back. Either way, this definitely gave the early game a good sense of challenge, assuming you decide not to skip Olympus Coliseum. I also feel like this boss is more symbolic than people realize. Having three rookie heroes take down one of the most powerful creatures from the underworld will of course impress Hercules and Phil. Granted, Hercules did calm down Cerberus a little while before Sora jumped in, and they did mark them as junior heroes. Still, you can tell that these two really support the trio and want to see them go the distance. And yes, that reference was intentional. <laughs> because this boss gave us a good challenge and helped kickstart the trio's road to becoming true heroes, is why it finds itself in the top 10. Just making it barely below the top 5, we have the World of Chaos. I know. Eric, what the hell is wrong with you? It's the final fight against Ansem! It should be in the top 5! You're right. It probably should, but I can't do that. Don't get me wrong, the World of Chaos, or Final Ansem, or whatever you want to call this fight, was epic. First off, you fight a giant version of Ansem by yourself, because Donald and Goofy get taken away prior to the fight. Then you have to fight your way through many bosses as you try to find your friends, 
including that skin brain skull thing that looks creepy as fuck. But once all the defense mechanisms are lowered, you take on Ansem one last time. Seriously, this whole boss felt like one phase after another, which really raised the intensity. Yet there's one problem each phase has, and that's bombarding you with so many attacks that you have almost no room to breathe. The worst was definitely the first and final phases against Ansem, because his attacks are almost unavoidable, whether he's swinging his dual-wielding Soul Eaters, firing a barrage of light beams, how ironic because he's all about darkness, or pulling you into a huge explosion. As a kid, I didn't care about that too much, but replaying it now as an adult made me realize how bullshit this whole fight was. Still, as an epic final boss for the game, it gets the job done, so I'm willing to rank it high, but not in the top 5. Sorry guys. Speaking of which, at number 5, we have a tie which is between the guard armor and the opposite armor, because they're basically the same boss. And my god, this fight has nostalgia written all over it, as it was the first giant heartless you fought alongside Donald and Goofy. And the build-up was perfect. You have Donald and Goofy wandering around Traverse Town looking for a boy with a key, and Sora, who just so happens to fit that category, shows up in town by coincidence. Eventually, their paths cross at the 3rd District, and suddenly they find themselves fighting a giant knight thing with non-attachable hands and feet. Witnessing Sora, Donald, and Goofy teaming up for the first time to fight a giant heartless was one of the coolest things I've seen as a kid, and the boss itself lets you know it's a challenging one. The way it constantly stomps its feet or bitch slap you with its spinning hands, or how it sometimes slams its body to the ground. Eventually, you fight this boss again during your second visit to Traverse Town, except this time, it now turned into the opposite armor, where its helmet opens up and the hands and feet become reverse. Despite its body deformity, the opposite armor was no pushover, as it now used its non-attachable hands and feet as spinning blades, used its head as an axe, or used its whole body as a fucking cannon. Yeah, the game makes it pretty damn clear it's not the same boss as before. Either way, the guard armor gives off a lot of nostalgic vibes, while the opposite armor proved to be a great challenge, which is why they easily share a spot in the top 5. Taking the number 4 spot, we have Chernabog, or as I like to call him, Disney's Satan. As a kid, I used to be terrified of seeing Chernabog every time I watched Fantasia, so you can definitely tell how shocked I was when I saw him in Kingdom Hearts. Fun fact, Chernabog was planned to be the final boss of the game and was meant to be the embodiment of all things darkness, yet they changed it because they wanted the main villain to be someone exclusive to the series. Despite that, it was still awesome to fight one of the most terrifying Disney villains out there, as you fight your way through the end of the world to confront Ansem, you come across what appears to be Bold Mountain, and waking up from his slumber is Chernabog, who's probably pissed off that his world was taken over by the Heartless and he's taking out all his anger on you. <laughs> Attack-wise, Chernabog will either breathe fire, unleash a strong gust of wind, and summon a few of his underlings to crowd you, or, most commonly, Summon a geyser of flames that get bigger and stronger the lower his HP gets. Admittedly, that shit killed me many times as a kid. Yet, I had fun fighting this boss, and it felt very satisfying to beat him. That moment when you realize Sora, Donald, and Goofy killed Satan? I guess fans weren't kidding when they say, Nobody actually dies in Kingdom Hearts. Hmm. At third place, we have the mistress of all evil herself, Maleficent. Well, technically both fights against her. Just like with Chernabog, Maleficent used to scare the shit at me when I was a kid. But unlike Chernabog, she was much more prominent as she was shown to be the main antagonist for like 75% of the game, considering she was the leader of KH1's Disney villain team, and she was the one who tricked Riku into thinking Sora betrayed him. That is until we reach Hollow Bastion for the first time, and we finally get to face off against her. The first fight has her right on top of this floating platform as she summons meteors, purple lightning, and occasionally heartless for you to waste time fighting, yet it's still a fun boss if you know how to avoid your attacks. Again, the best way to take down her platform is by casting gravity instead of using basic attacks. However, once she becomes her dragon form, 
This boss takes a huge spike in difficulty as she constantly stops the ground creating shockwaves, slashing you with her giant-ass claws, or, most commonly, breathing green flames around the field or shooting green fireballs left and right, leaving you no room to dodge. Holy fuck did I have a miserable time during this boss. Yet, defeating her felt so satisfying and well worth it. Let's be honest, Kingdom Hearts 1 was the only time this character felt like a real threat. Nobody cares about Recoded. <laughs> the runner-up spot on my list goes to the second fight against Ansem. You might be a little confused why I chose the second phase separately instead of combining it with the other Ansem fights. Don't worry, I have my reasons. The first fight against Ansem was a relatively easy boss. Okay, not super easy, but easy enough because you had Donald and Goofy with you. The World of Chaos, which I already mentioned before, was difficult beyond comprehension, even with Donald and Goofy. Here, it's just you fighting Ansem in his base form in a very secluded area where there's no place to hide and almost no room to dodge. To be honest, I think this phase should have been the final boss, but no, we have to make things gimmicky. Even though we've already seen what attacks Ansem could do in his first phase, this fight feels almost different because of the new attacks he can dish out, most notably that rush move which can kill you almost instantly, or when his guardian emerges from the ground about 10 times and summons waves of light. Again, how ironic. Either way, those moves fucked me up many times when I was a kid, and even today I get chills when fighting him because you never know which move he'll use next. Unless you hear him yell, SUBMIT! Then yeah, just fucking dodge roll as fast as you can. <laughs> Despite that, this boss helped prove how much of a threat Ansem is, and it's one of the few bosses that doesn't rely on gimmicks or minions. Yet there's one boss left that tops it. And finally at number 1, we have Riku Ansem. This may shock a lot of people because I mentioned many times how much trauma this boss gave me when I was a kid, but it makes a lot of sense why it deserves to be ranked this high. Even though Maleficent was shown to be the main villain for the most part, the true villain finally revealed himself. Ansem, Seeker of Darkness, and he made things personal by taking over Riku's body and was about to use the special keyblade to capture Kairi's heart to open up the final keyhole. And Sora was not going to let that shit happen. Just like our previous entry, it's a one-on-one -on -one match with no gimmicks and you're fighting in a secluded area. Though I can't help but find it funny how Kairi's body magically disappears during the fight. <laughs> Still, the emotional weight this battle has is what easily earns it the number one spot. And this was a great way to show us how threatening Ansem was, especially all those different attacks he can initiate. You name them. Dark Fraga, Dark Break, and of course, the almost fatal move, Dark Aura. Despite dying many times as a kid, I did appreciate how challenging he was, and the moment I finally beat him was very satisfying, and it still does no matter how many times I replay KH1. So yeah, Riku Ansem is still a pain in the ass fight, but it's one of those pain in the ass fights that's very emotional and rewarding, which is why I rank it as my favorite boss from Kingdom Hearts 1. And those are my favorite and least favorite bosses from Kingdom Hearts 1. Not too shabby if I do say so myself. Again, it was a pretty difficult list for me to make because every boss in this game has issues. Yet, without these bosses, future games wouldn't have anything to learn from. Which makes me excited for when I eventually talk about my favorite bosses from Kingdom Hearts 2. Yes, I'm skipping Chain of Memories for obvious reasons. <laughs> anyway, who are some of your favorite bosses from Kingdom Hearts 1? Let us know on our Discord server or DM us on Instagram. At Geeks Crossing, continue to listen to us on all available listening platforms such as Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Amazon Music, Audible, iHeartRadio, or whatever platform you prefer. Check us out on Twitch at EmanTheLegendary, which is also my YouTube channel, Nuclear Bacons, CryptoLock Games, and Carabyte. Also, tell your friends and family about us, especially the Kingdom Hearts fans you know. Thank you for listening, and may your heart be your guiding key.